Hear the word of our Lord from the Gospel of St. John, the 17th chapter, beginning in the 14th verse. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We haven't really done one of the long-form email answering thingies in a good while. But, you know, I got an email forwarded to me from a good friend that, well, I think it's worth talking about. It's worth bringing back these series. And if anybody wants a long-form email answering a recording done for them, shoot me an email. Very underscore Lutheran at tutanota.com. I will be your servant in Jesus Christ, your personal Bible answer man. And you don't even have to donate, although I do appreciate that. (laughs) Let's go ahead and read some of this email. There's some personal things that I don't think are appropriate to bring up on the SoundCloud. Let's read what this guy wanted to know from me. He says, I have become disillusioned with the Catholic Church. Pope Francis is doing many things that are going to destroy the Church. The Church is scandalized everywhere and they have prohibited the Latin Mass. On top of this, I believe I've fallen in love with a Protestant woman, and we'll skip that part. He had some specific questions there. But then he says, I am thinking of converting to Lutheranism. I want to know what it is about Lutheranism that makes it appealing to you. God bless and please pray for me. Well, absolutely, brother. We have been praying for you for some guidance, me and my co-host on the other show here. But... When it comes to Lutheranism, and why Lutheranism, why I went from being some non-denominational Arminian Bible college student to becoming a confessional Lutheran, and a pietist confessional Lutheran at that, I want to talk a little bit first about why somebody should want to go to any denomination. Why that decision is something people have to make for themselves. First off, I don't buy it when somebody says, I want the truth. Because every single denomination is going to say, we teach the truth. Okay, maybe a liberal Christian denomination might not say that. They might say, oh, well, there's truth in every religion. We're just one option. But I'm not going to take those guys seriously. They have zero interest in preserving their denomination whatsoever, let alone their doctrine, because they drop it whenever the world changes their morals. (laughs) They change everything at the drop of a hat. But when it comes to denominations that will confess to you that the Bible is the word of God, every single one of them is going to tell you if you ask them, They're going to say that they teach the truth, and that's why their denomination is so important, you see. All these denominational differences are brought by people saying and peddling their version of the truth. Now, is the truth important? Yes. 
It is of penultimate importance. It is of ultimate importance to everything for us for 99.999% of Christian doctrine. You want to get it right. Now, unfortunately, that does lead to some people church hopping because they see that everybody makes all these claims and they don't know which one is right, so they're left so confused that they, well, end up giving up. Maybe at some point they just settle into their local evangelifish church and where they're like, at least they have a good coffee bar. Something like that. But they're not being fed spiritually and they know it, so they're just miserable. There has to be better reasons for belonging to a denomination other than just the truth. I would wager that faithfulness is a big one. Faithfulness to that doctrine, to God, faithfulness to his word is of utmost importance. Because you can have the truth all you want. And it's not going to matter if you don't care about it. St. Paul does say, after all, in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 2, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, agape love, I am nothing. Nothing. It does not matter what you know if you do not mean it. And it is not just agape love for one another, as our Lord Jesus Christ tells us to do. It's also the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I would expect any denomination and any denominational group that I go to, to put God first. To really at least try to love God and be faithful to him and his word. Otherwise, no matter how right they are, well, might as well just hit your head on a brick wall till you black out. You have about the same value doing that as you have attending one of these church services where they have truth but they don't care about it. <laughs> like, look, even the demons know that Jesus died for our sins. Are they going to heaven for knowing this? Satan knows all the big mysteries that Christians cannot figure out. He can figure out election. Satan knows how all that works. He knows true doctrine. Satan is going to hell. He is going to burn in the lake of fire forever. His knowledge doesn't count for anything. It does not matter. So for all these denominations saying, you have to be with us because of the truth. I don't care. I want to see. I really want to see you vindicated by your works, by your doctrine applied. If you have the truth, I should see it worked out in your denomination. A good example of this would be in politics. For instance, Roman Catholicism includes distributism. The uh, Rerum Novarum, I think, is the document that tells people that we should be distributing land and property and give people a fair shake. They should be giving people the opportunity to have their property rights respected, but also have jubilees to get rid of debt. Well, okay, that sounds fine. I wouldn't mind living in a distributist society. But why is it that Roman Catholic parishes, which do not recognize the two kingdoms doctrine, 
why aren't they doing their best to encourage their parishes to, well, secure land and property and jobs and industry for their own members? For that matter, why is it that Roman Catholic politicians, who again do not believe in a separation between church and state, that is not what the Roman Catholic Church teaches, they condemn that as a part of the quote-unquote American heresy, why don't they have Catholic politicians advocating for distributism, if uh, Rerum Novarum truly does come from the most holy office of the papacy? Truly, I should expect that. I want a denomination that really does listen to 1 Corinthians 15, really does love the Lord our God, and really does serve him with everything, if possible, to be faithful in all things, not just saying that they know what they know. So when it comes to Lutheranism, why I am a Lutheran, I believe that this is the denomination which is consistent with the doctrine they have. And of course, I'm talking about confessional Lutheranism. I am not talking about the ELCA. I am not talking about the NALC. I am not talking about any Lutheran quote-unquote group that doesn't really preach the Word of God, doesn't believe that the Bible is the Word of God. They ordain women. They do a lot more political advocacy, even though that's not what we're supposed to do because of the doctrine of the two kingdoms. I'm not talking about those guys. Those aren't Lutherans. They are people who claim, if you really press them, well, that's the Lutheran tradition, and we come out of that heritage. They will, in a workaround way, admit that they're not actually Lutherans. But actual, confessional Lutheranism that holds to the historic creeds and confessions of the early Lutheran church, the Book of Concord that basically defines what it means to be Lutheran, or for uh, Scandinavian Lutherans, at the very least, the Augsburg Confession, the Apology to the Augsburg Confession, the two catechisms, and the three symbolic creeds, I am going to see a lot more consistency out of Lutheranism, out of confessional conservative Lutheranism, than any other denomination in the entire world. I will blow that trumpet. I will make that boast, because it was what I personally saw first and foremost, above all, when it came to denominational shopping, so to speak. How does this play out? Dogma should affect worship, and it should be so, well, consistently. It should be, I see your doctrine in practice. I should see it in your homiletics, in your preaching, in your sermons. I should see it in your Bible studies. I should see it in the, the church's activities and how they approach their neighbors. Lutheranism does that, namely by being consistently, messily, stubbornly, and even annoyingly consistent with sola scriptura. The Bible is the word of God, and it is the source for all faith and morals. It is inerrant, inspired, completely without contradictions. It is the word of God. And if the Bible does not tell me something, I have zero right to try to solve the puzzles and the mysteries by adding either human tradition, like the church fathers or some magisterium, making new doctrines which the Bible does not espouse, or human reason. 
where I try to fill in the gaps in the puzzle by thinking about it really hard. Lutheranism is going to be anger-inducing for every other denomination because our theology is extremely messy because of this stubborn, annoying holding to sola scriptura. Why do we have communion? Because Jesus told us to. Why do we believe that Christ is there with his body and blood in communion? Because that's what he said. He said, this is my body broken for you. He didn't qualify that with anything. He didn't say it was a symbol. He did not say it was just a remembrance. He does say, do this in remembrance of me. But the word there in the Greek is more of a participation with him rather than just a mental recall. And he also says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. He doesn't say, this represents my blood. This cup full of grape juice is my blood. No, he said it's wine. He took wine. That's what we should do. We should have bread and wine. And in the course of communion, at some point, Christ is there in with and under the bread and the wine with his body and blood. Am I going to understand that? No, the Bible does not tell us that the doctrine of transubstantiation, in the way that the Roman Catholic Church puts it, that that's how it occurs with substance and accidents and essence and all these other high philosophical explanations. Nope, it just tells us Jesus is there for the forgiveness of our sins, for the refreshing of our faith, as he discusses in John chapter 6. It just says that. So, I don't want to put my reason there. I don't trust my reason. My reason is not the word of God. And I don't want to trust tradition telling me that it's either some complicated doctrine of transubstantiation, but I also don't want to say, oh yes, these theologians from this denomination say that it's, uh, it's just a spiritual participation in Jesus. His body and blood isn't actually there, you see. And that's what a lot of the Reformed churches will teach. Or the Baptist saying it is just a symbol. I'm not going to go off of their traditions, and I'm not going to do as their theologians did of using my reason to say that Jesus didn't mean what he said. I'm just not going to do that. As a Lutheran, seeing this, even before I was a Lutheran, I visited a Lutheran church, and I talked about this with Lutheran pastors, and they were stubbornly firm on this. The Bible is the word of God. It means what it says. It accomplishes what it says it will accomplish. And that's why we are going to have communion in this fashion. And that is why we're going to believe what we believe about communion. On matters like election, though, the Lutheran confessions, eventually the uh, guys like Martin Chemnitz, they kind of throw up their hands and say, listen, we honestly don't have enough data from the scriptures to tell you how election really works. We're not going to make up decrees from God from eternity past on who is saved and who is not saved. We have election, yes, but it's always presented to us as this positive thing. So we're going to say it's a mystery, you know, fold our hands and say we're done. Okay, that is stubbornly, annoyingly, and messily holding on to what the word of God says. Now in Bible college, I was always taught the Bible means what it says, and we interpret the word of God plainly. That's it. Plain, literal interpretation. Not historical, critical method of interpretation. Just plain and literal. If the Bible says it, it's true. 
great. That is exactly what I want. That's exactly what I needed. And I've found out over the course of studying Martin Luther and studying the Reformation that, well, Luther and the Lutherans did that better than I did as a Baptist. They did that more consistently than I did as a dispensationalist Baptist. And the Lutherans were right. It took me six months to figure that out as God was dragging me through to teach me all this stuff. But I decided that, listen, I want a church that is consistent in doctrine, that reads the Bible plainly, and I should be able to see this in the way that they work. So I noticed that there aren't really any Lutheran political action committees. I noticed that Lutherans, while they might talk about politics and they might give advice to the laity on what they should look for or not look for when they vote, if they vote, but they didn't really tell them what to do with regards to that because of the two kingdoms doctrine. Lutherans are supposed to be this consistent, this stubborn in their love for the word of God. Now, let's not get it uh, confused. Why do we hold such dear, strong, and again, very stubborn we don't play very well with others. Stubborn loyalty to the word and to sola scriptura. Because Jesus, as we read at the very beginning of this recording, he says, thy word is truth. I want that. I want that firm foundation of the word of God from which all of my beliefs are centered. That all of my beliefs should come from the word of God when it comes to faith, morals, dogma, everything, even history. If I were to go and say like Rome does or like the Eastern Orthodox Church does and add in human tradition, Jesus, my savior, the one who died for me, the one who paid for my sins with his blood, the one who rose from the dead so I can live eternally, he did not say that human tradition is the word of God. He did not give us the same guarantee about human tradition or the church fathers that he does to the Bible. And when it comes to human reason, Jesus did not say that my human reason can always give the truth. My reason is not the word of God and nor is my experience, my spiritual experiences that the charismatic Christians have. Many of them have their own prophets and prophetesses out there saying this or that supposed message from God, but does that have the guarantee by Jesus Christ that it is the word of God, that you can trust it as true? No, it doesn't. Now, is it possible that the Roman Catholics are right? Is it possible that the Calvinists are correct, that their denomination was right the entire time, and that all of their doctrine that they have espoused as the capital T truth was correct. Maybe, I'd say there's a pretty low chance of that, but at the end of the day, do I really want to gamble with fallible human beings? The Roman Catholic Church will tell you there were church fathers that got things wrong. The Eastern Orthodox Church rejects a lot of the Latin church fathers because they say those men were fallible men that got it wrong. Okay, but you're telling me to trust all your tradition while you're getting rid of this other denomination's tradition. It's a gamble if I put my 
spiritual well-being and the trajectory of my Christian life, everything I'm going to be doing or not doing in the hands that aren't guaranteed to be the Word of God. And if I'm going with a denomination like the Baptists or the Calvinists or the Arminians or the Assemblies of God or name your Pentecostal church or your community evangelical non-denominational church, I would be entrusting myself to people who are interpreting the Word of God, oftentimes, if they're willing to admit it, using their reason. That really is the case, and do I want to trust myself with that gamble on human reason? I'm going to say, I don't want to gamble. I don't want to take that risk. I want to go with the pure Word of God, which Jesus himself, my Savior, whom I believe in, he gave that guarantee to the Bible. He did not give that guarantee to anyone else. He didn't give it to traditions. He did not give it to reason. The church may be the pillar and bulwark of the truth, as the scriptures say, but that is because it has the scriptures. It has the word of God. Now, to be fair, Lutherans do have a teaching magisterium. We do have an interpretive authority, namely the Book of Concord, and we do have pastors acting in the role of interpreter and teacher. This is biblical. The book of Ephesians, chapter 4, does establish the teaching office of the church. But for Lutherans, we understand that the teacher, the interpreter, is subordinated to the word of God. He is not that firm foundation. The Bible is. He's just preaching from it. He's just teaching from it. And he can have his take, but if he is found to be contradicting scripture in any way, shape, or fashion, then it's time for him to be corrected, at least. That's how important this is. This is how stubborn we need to be. Because God exists, Jesus died for my sins, I'm going to say that my Savior is correct on things, and I'm going to go with what he guarantees. All that said, there's more as to why I am a confessional pietist Lutheran. There's more because I can make these grand statements saying, my Lord Jesus saved me. He says that God's word is truth and therefore with that guarantee I'm only going to be going with that. And I can say that the Lutheran church properly understood is consistent with sola scriptura. They are consistent with the teachings of the holy word of God. I love their epistemological humility in saying that when we don't know something, we don't know something. We don't have enough data for election. We don't have enough data for how exactly the nature of God always works or how this establishment is supposed to be. After all, we are Chalcedonians. Yes, we do believe in the hypostatic union, but boy, howdy, there's a lot of mystery there, so we don't get into it. <laughs> Not too much, anyway. We can get into all these things. We can talk about all that, but there is another huge, giant reason that I cannot ignore regarding why I am a Lutheran now, and why I have been for a good long time. I went through well over a year in total misery because I thought God hated me. I really did. I honestly saw God as an unpleasable figure who wanted me dead and at some point was probably going to send me to hell. I was going to a church where you only heard the gospel at Christmas, kind of, and then Easter, maybe. 
They would bring up Jesus' resurrection, but my goodness, how on earth is the resurrection applied? Well, they spend more time proving that the resurrection happened than telling me that Jesus died for my sins so that I could have eternal life. We went to churches where we were hearing the word of God, we were hearing interpretation, but we were never hearing the gospel. And it withered my soul. I will be 100% honest with everybody listening here, it made me feel desiccated spiritually. And initially, my solution was try to go the mystic route. I got into the Eastern practice of hesychasm. I got into Brother Lawrence's The Practice of the Presence of God. I read Molina's Quietism book on how to just sit there in communion with God and not say anything or think anything and just float in the hopes that God will go to you. I read The Cloud of Unknowing. I got into A.W. Tozer on his ways and methods and books on how to reach God in mystic simplicity, in the divine, sublime way that the Roman Catholic mystics got into everything. I got into it and did it all, and it made me ten times more miserable. I thought initially, well, the problem why I don't think God loves me is because, oh yeah, I'm just not close to him. I'm not doing enough. So I need to work real hard to get close to God. I want to be super close to him. And all I got out of that, well, I did have spiritual experiences from it and mystical experiences, sure. Well, when you're in the presence of God and you don't understand his gospel, you can't say that you really have faith in him. How's his presence going to be? What are you going to see out of this God that you're reaching out to? Wrath. Especially because every sermon that I was hearing at my church was sermons on what you need to do. Every other sermon from every other denomination I was hearing was telling me what to do. Or they would have long, angry sermons on why God is ticked off at the world. And sure, that's a thing. But that's all I was hearing. What kind of God did I worship? who thought of the gospel as some sort of afterthought, but didn't like me very much. (laughs) There was a time that I was just sitting there crying because I honestly thought God wanted nothing to do with me because I was so bad at keeping his commandments. And the only way to really know that God appreciates you and is friends with you and loves you is if you're doing well enough in obeying his commandments. I was miserable. Until I get into this project here where I have to learn about the Reformation and learn about Luther and I start trying out the Lutheran church, learning about it, studying it, and finding out that every single Sunday the gospel has to be preached in some way, shape, or form. Because we, as servants of God, all the pastors, are commanded in Holy Scripture to preach the gospel. And should you preach the gospel like once a year? St. Paul instructs Timothy, preach the word, rightly divide the word. And we look at that division and go, well, that's law and gospel. Yes, the commandments are there. Absolutely. And I love God's holy commandments given to me. But I need to hear the gospel. I need to hear that Jesus died for my sins. I need to hear that I am forgiven of my sins. And the Lutheran church obsessively does that every single Sunday. At least every single Sunday, because it's also Wednesday services. Oftentimes during Lent or during Christmas time, you hear the gospel all the time. 
you do confession and absolution. You hear your sins forgiven with the power of the office of the keys behind it. You understand that there's forgiveness and grace in holy communion. And I will be fully vulnerable with everybody listening that I need that. I think everybody needs that. The Lord knows I, feeling like the chief of sinners every single day, I need that all the time. Not just once a year, not just on Good Friday and Easter, not just on Christmas. I need to hear the gospel constantly. And I cannot trust myself to always keep it perfectly in my heart such that I don't need to hear it from a preacher. I need to hear it. I need to preach it. I can do no other. Or else I am going to go back to that dry, desiccated state where I feel like, okay, there's this God and he says he loves me and he's feeding me and stuff, but that just makes me an ungrateful, disobedient worm. Boy, howdy, can't wait to get to heaven where he won't even look at me. I need to know. I need to hear it from the gospel all the time. And whether that's me preaching it or whether that's me hearing it from a preacher, it is of ultimate importance. So that is why I am a confessional Lutheran, why I made that switch earlier in life. And I would hope for your sake that you look into it too. Look into it for the right reasons. I understand that the Roman Catholic Church right now is messed up. I'm going to tell you right now, brother, it has always been messed up. Every church is. Lutheranism, too, has its problems. But trust me, just ask any Lutheran layman, and they will tell you about those problems. They won't shut up about them. But when it comes to Rome, I don't want you leaving Rome out of bitterness, out of anger towards them. Forgive the Pope for what he's done to you. Forgive the bishops that messed your life up for a bit. Forgive them. Jesus tells us to forgive, and there's freedom there. And from there, you can look at the truth of things. Look at the grace poured over you in your baptism. Hear law and gospel, both of them with the response, the third use of the law too. To hear that, to give us a more refreshed life. If you leave the Catholic Church on these bad terms out of anger, there's a chance that you'd see other problems in Lutheranism or whatever church you find yourself going to. You're going to find yourself seeing all of that, and you might be tempted to do the same thing again. Oh, I left Roman Catholicism because Pope Francis is a weirdo, and I saw a Pacamama. Why were they bowing down to that idol? That's so gross. One year later... I heard Matthew Harrison embarrassing the Lutheran Church in 2020 with that statement on the riots. That's disgusting. You know what? I'm done with Lutheranism. I'm going off to the Presbyterian Church. And then you go to the Presbyterian Church, and a year later, it's the same thing. I would urge you, my brother, my brother in Christ, I would urge you to look into Lutheranism with the eye towards grace, with the eye that God has given us so much in the treasury of his word and in the beauty of the holy sacraments so that you can enter into lutheranism seeing how much good there is for you there amen and amen